Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Our guest today is Anne Rollins, Director of Instructional Design for GP Strategies. Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. So tell us a little bit about your background in instructional design and about your role at GP Strategies. Sure. I've been in our industry for 25 years, started as an instructional designer and a classroom facilitator years back and have over time moved into more of an emerging technology space, kind of moved through the e-learning boom and and now really focusing on how emerging technology is shaping and revolutionizing how we're able to serve up learning for our employees, for our clients globally. Okay, very good. And how long have you been with GP Strategies? Sure, coming up on seven years this fall. Nice. Okay. So our topic in this episode is barriers to emerging learning and the challenges of innovation, especially when it comes to learning technologies. So let's start with the fact that the learning landscape is changing really quickly. What are some of the challenges that this pace of change and innovation pose for learning and development generally? Gotcha. That's a big, big question. And I point a lot of our clients to a CEB study that was conducted in 2016. And while that sounds like a millennia ago, it's still very ruthlessly relevant for our industry. In a survey of 119 learning leaders, understanding learning trends and leveraging technology and learning were identified as being very important. In fact, they scored it as an 88 out of 100 in terms of importance. However, they rated their teams as not being proficient in these areas. They rated their teams as 26% proficiency in these areas. So we see this huge delta between the level of importance and the preparedness of the people to do the work. And as I speak at conferences numbers of times a year, you know, I find that this delta is almost becoming greater and greater. And our practitioners are having a heck of a time trying to keep pace. And so there's an awful lot of things pragmatically that people can do as a practitioner, but they're not things that come naturally to us. And as leaders, learning leaders running a business, it's very hard to be outward looking and also to be inward looking running the business. And so it creates these circumstances where people are in the sausage factory making sausage all day and running the business and creating the training for their people. They don't have the opportunities to look up and out and what's going on to be able to keep track. And so we really need to change our focus for our learning practitioners that part of their role needs to be looking forward and keeping a handle on the emerging landscape, what it is, and technologies that are showing up that can really transform the way they are providing learning to their people, the way their people want to learn, which is the way they learn outside of work. But there's a real gap there as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that landscape. Describe it, if you will. What do learning and development leaders need to know about that landscape in order to you know, get ahead of these challenges? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there are a number of key trends that I think about that we see at GP Strategies. Of course, you know, we're in the, the very fortunate position to be able to see across vertical industries and across the globe. So being able to see geographical trends You know, there are a number of things that we're seeing. We've made massive investments in legacy systems, the LMS, which isn't necessarily providing the kinds of actionable intelligence we need to be able to make good business decisions on how we invest in learning. 
you know, a number of key trends that are shaping how people are able to learn at work that are starting to make their way into the workplace, which is the appification of learning platforms. And so going to an app where I might have my learning as opposed to, you know, the mobile instance of my LMS, which we we all know the mobile instance of the LMS, it doesn't necessarily have the responsiveness and the features and functionality and capabilities that a lot of the learning apps will provide for our people, instant access to exactly what they need when they need it. That's the first is that appification of learning and being plugged into what kinds of things are happening in that learning app space. The second is tools that allow us to do really great in the moment, mobile coaching and performance support. Beautiful tools and platforms are available now and that landscape is changing, right? Every month there are new folks that are coming in and going out of that space, but being aware of how we can reach our employees at that moment of need where they don't have to go to the LMS to fetch, right? And understanding the tools that will support their people in that way, regardless of where their call center employees sitting at a desk or they are field technicians who are on the go, on the move, using tablets and other mobile devices. You know, the third one that I think about is the microtization of assets, right? We've got a ton of learning that's got to happen and very few resources typically in a learning organization as a proportion to hold to be able to execute on the needs. And so being able to chunk out tiny bits of learning and have learning practitioners who understand how to do it well, how to maximize these tiny moments that they have to produce, say, a micro video or a quick interactive, and to make them a meaningful part of a learning journey, a learning path. And so these micro assets, we are able to swap them in and swap them out as the business changes. And so adopting that approach universally for the way we're creating learning allows us to be a lot more dynamic and it allows us to stay current and have that shelf life that we know is so short, have a more minimal impact on our levels of rework and the effort that it takes just to keep current in addition to providing new Right. And then the fourth one that I think about is commoditization of content. You know, we think about content curation platforms that are that are coming onto the scene, the Edcasts and Degreed and their NovoEd and Allego and others that allow us to curate pieces of content and to create these learning paths. But it allows us to not only pull content in the org, the learning org, it allows us to pull and serve up content that exists other places in the org that aren't in the learning space. Um, And it also allows us to curate and pull in content from outside. You know, when we think about the content organizationally that we need to write learning material on for any organization, no matter who you are, there's a burden of that or a a proportion of it that's going to be leadership, supervisory skills, management skills, soft skills. There's probably not a soft skill that we're writing about that hasn't been written about by someone else. And so the commoditization of content allows us to be able to go out and to fetch from reputable partners for us to be able to reduce that level of effort and that burden that we leave on our learning practitioners so that they can be really focusing on building learning that is proprietary and highly specific to our organization. And so those are those four trends. So that amplification of learning platforms, it's huge, but it creates challenges because we have firewalls and we have security but it's a nut we've got to crack. The mobile coaching and performance support tools that are available that allow us to reach our people where they are, when they are. Microtization of assets, having a practice that is expertly skilled in creating very small, effective learning nuggets that are arranged in a meaningful way. 
And then, of course, that commoditization of content, which allows us to reduce the overall burden on our practice that that we have to create net new. Wow. I mean, that is a lot that's going on. (laughs) And L&D leaders have their hands full, right? Just trying to get their heads around all this stuff, not to mention as you mentioned, I believe, there's new stuff coming out all the time. Right. Like literally every month, every other month, there's a new tool, right? A new platform. Yep, so just trying to keep up with all this stuff truly is a challenge. What about L&D practitioners? Mm-hmm. What do these folks need to be doing to help themselves and help their leaders handle all this? Sure. Uh, you know, they're, the practitioners are in a real tough spot because they have got, again, you know, we've got extraordinary needs. And we don't have enough people to do the work. And so we've got to make really strategic choices on how the work gets done by ever shrinking resources, dollars and people. And so when I talk to learning practitioners and I I am very active in a thriving community of learning practitioners on Twitter and with the eLearning Guild and with ATD, and this question comes up all the time, you know, when I talk to them, the things that come up that they pose as things that get in the way for them, which are real. I mean, we've got to honor it because it's all real. You know, they've got a day job. They're fully committed to, like I I go back to making the sausage, right? They are keeping the business moving. They are responding to the needs and building learning, but they don't have that planned, committed time to look up and out and really see what's happening um, in a way that is undistracted, that they can focus on that. Plus, there's so much happening, as you mentioned, it's really, really hard for them to focus on, you know, should I be thinking about AR or virtual reality? Or should I be thinking about chatbots? Like, where should I even focus? Because I don't necessarily understand, as a practitioner, most of these people classically have come through their writers. And so the technology element for many people in our field is an area where they are not confident. And so helping them to understand, you don't need to know how VR is built. You don't need to understand how AR is built. Should you understand generally how they work? Are there some easy tools that are free that you could play with and experiment with that are WYSIWYG, that aren't intimidating, so that you get a better feel for what these kinds of technologies might be able to do for you, you know, when the right use case presents itself? Absolutely. And typically, folks are in that role, like I said, they're writing training content, they're creating it. So there are some of these trends, particularly the commoditization of content that are very threatening to them. And so trying to see where they fit is really important. And so helping them understand just having a general approach. When you hear about chatbots, do some light reading. I provide resources to them. There are certain things that they should read. There are certain things that they should do, certain ways that they should engage in the community. And I've got a lot of those resources that we have shared at GP in the past, particularly in my undaunted webinar that was just a couple of months ago to help them kind of put a plan forward that will help them get to a place where they're comfortable and where they can start considering these innovations where they may make sense in their organization. And so those are kinds of the tips that I suggest for those practitioners, but leaders need to create an environment where it's okay and help them to put these plans together organizationally to be, you know, we're going to be focusing in this next year on mobile coaching and performance support. And we're going to be looking at a couple of different ways that that can happen and to be able to help and encourage and foster them through that because it's not an easy shift. For yeah, them no, make. it doesn't sound easy at all. And the challenge both for leaders and practitioners is significant. And the stakes are pretty high, right? Because the adoption of these technologies or the failure to adopt them can have significant business impact. 
in ways that are positive and in ways that are negative. So what are some examples of that? Mm-hmm, for sure. So, you know, when we think about, I know that for me, you know, my exposure and the kinds of work that I do in my job day to day is very different than the majority of people in our industry, right? They may be a few years away from virtual reality. They may be tinkering or thinking about where augmented reality may fit as a performance support tool, but they know that they're still a year, 18 months away, right? The challenges with any of these technologies is, I go back to that legacy investment in our LMS. We made huge investments over time. Our IT department sees and feels that, you know, we've got that investment in training. Good. You guys are good to go, but that's, we're not good to go. The LMS is actually moving into more of a side space where we're capturing completions, but completions don't give us actionable data to be able to attribute to how we're changing organizational performance, right? And so these new technologies that are coming in, regardless of what they are and how they fit, they're costly. They need to be piloted because you know, what might work in one organization beautifully might be a real challenge for a variety of reasons in another organization. And so for us at GP, when we think about these different technologies, as clients are coming to us saying, we want to see how virtual reality might fit into a situation where we're trying to improve call center performance, right? Initially, we go call center performance. They're in front of computers. What is the virtual reality experience going to be? Well, if we wanted to be able to build their muscles on expressing empathy and developing empathy for their customers, virtual reality could certainly be part of the training plan for that. But we would want to create a pilot to make sure that we are hitting the mark, that we've got the use case right. You know, and a lot of these vendors that come in and talk to our learning leaders, they're looking for the big sell. They're looking for the large deployment. And that's very counter to what a GP that we would ever recommend Because when we make that sizable investment, we're talking about time, we're talking about mind share of our people, and the hours we're bringing people together have to be absolutely targeted. And I use ruthlessly relevant to quote my VP, Matt Donovan, they've got to be ruthlessly relevant because every moment away from work is a compromise that the business is making. And so being able to come up with a plan that allows them to pilot as opposed to go full bore with large expenses. I'm in a GP, we've got a a plan. We've got a dedicated space where we do all kinds of innovation work with different kinds of vendors who are providing different types of tools that support a variety of different needs, some that I've already mentioned. We've got a proprietary process for how we kick the tires to make sure that a vendor has the right executive leadership to make sure that learning isn't just something they think they'd be good at, but it's actually something that they will be good at. They've got the financial backing that their solution can scale appropriately. And so a lot of these considerations are really tough to get at when you're a learning leader bringing in a couple of vendors for showcases for your people. And so I think about particularly minimizing risk and minimizing that initial investment as two of the really, really important things for learning leaders to consider when they're kind of moving into that space and trying to bring something new in for the to change the way people learn. Yeah, that's a great point, because I'm sure there are many, many examples of companies spending just a ton of money on some new initiative, some new learning initiative, some new technology without having all that planning in place. And it ends up just sitting on the shelf or it never quite catches on. 
and they've spent all this money and, and no one uses it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Indeed. You know, I think about an example, you know, I talked about mobile coaching and performance support tools that are really surging into our kind of the learning technology horizon and the landscape and what's happening. And at GP, you know, we had a client that was very interested in bringing in a video coaching platform to do coaching with their sales consultants. We put together a pilot. We had worked with the client. They had created the use case and we put it together and it was solid to be able to provide actionable feedback to sales consultants who, when they sell a product, they make money. And so if we can improve their ability to make money, you know, through effective coaching, which their their folks were expressing that they were sorely lacking at work, you know, when we put together the solution and we provided an optional opt-in to increase your sales performance by taking advantage of this, you know, and opened it to a pool of hundreds, zero opted in. Right. And so being able to understand very clearly what is an ideal use case in theory and what is an actual use case is really important. And a lot of orgs make make decisions where we think we've got the right use case and we spend the money and then we get there and it doesn't work. And again, going back to GP's process on understanding different industries, different markets, different global regions and the things that seem to land and where well. And then going back to that pilot, once we know we've got the right use case and the right dollars attributed to a pilot, it's just really important. Absolutely. So clearly, successfully navigating this new landscape we've been talking about takes a plan. So what strategy would you recommend that learning and development leaders adopt to navigate these changes. Yeah, sure. You know, I think it's I think it's really important to have a partner. I mean, whether regardless of 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 who it is, you know, I can't imagine before I came to GP, I was I've led learning teams in the past and it was a different world. It was a different world. But having a competent partner to be able to help guide, to be able to help navigate where the strengths are, where your return on investment potential is going to be the greatest. You know, certainly starting any of these types of projects with a very, very clear plan for measuring the impact and being able to link what's happening in the organization, what measures and levers we want to be able to flip, working it back through what are those business indicators that we're getting there? What are the leading indicators that tell us that we're going to be able to flip that lever? And then working backwards to what are the behaviors we need to change, being very targeted about it, and then being able to have a partner to be able to help identify what is going to be able to move the lever here by affecting this behavior. Is it mobile coaching? Is it performance support? Is it some type of perpetual on-demand training that, that may have synchronous and asynchronous components? But having the right partner to help you walk that path is so important. Absolutely. Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground. There are a lot of moving pieces here. Let's try to sum it up. What are the main points you want our listeners to take away from the podcast? Yeah, sure. I think I think first and foremost, you know, learning leaders, being able to look up and out getting folks really plugged into industry. You know, the e-learning guild offers webinars. They have articles. They've got tons of resources that are available. You know, I encourage folks to get plugged in. I mean, part of being prepared for the change 
is knowing the things that you should be doing that will help that change be not so difficult, right? And so I encourage all of my practitioners, get on Twitter, get connected. There's a thriving community out there and, and they're talking about everything that matters that we may or not be thinking about. You know, time for folks to reconsider, you know, how we are gathering training data and learning data and thinking more about the point of performance and how do we work it back to determine what learning we're going to create and recognize that the LMS has significant limitations on being able to capture that correct data. We need to be looking outside of the LMS and actually into the business for operational data that supports our findings on the effectiveness of our learning. You know, and and then the next thing is for learning leaders to help their folks, to encourage their folks to get plugged into industry. We're not going to get there if we're not plugged in, if we're, we're siloed and looking down at the work we need to do every day. And so our learning leaders taking a deliberate approach that part of that time is looking outward for the practitioners as well as themselves is really important. I think those are the three takeaways. Prepare for the change. Reconsider how we are thinking about whether our learning is effective looking to the org to pull some of that data, not to the LMS, and then learning leaders being able to pull this all together in a way that makes sense for people. Okay, Anne, well, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciated it. I am very passionate about what we talked about here today. This is my bread and butter. And not only do I share it outside, these are the kinds of things we're talking about inside with our own practitioners, the things that we are doing inside GP. And so, you know, if we if we're doing it inside serving global organizations one after the next, you know, it's that secret sauce that's so important to be able to share out. So I appreciate the opportunity today. Absolutely. Well, and your passion has come through loud and clear. So thanks again. Great. Take care. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.